This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 18th to the 24th of July. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Ezzy. Another exciting week and it is a good week this week. Oh, absolutely brilliant to hear about that. So what are your recommendations for this coming week? Well, the good news is there's lots happening. The bad news is it's in the morning sky. <laughs> so, so, so we have to get up and get A couple more this. early nights. But I mean, we're astronomers. Any For heaven's sake, we should be getting up, you know, observing these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, you know, you shouldn't be a fair weather astronomer just stay in the evening sky. There's lots happening there in the morning sky as well. So last week, we ended the week on the 17th with the moon next to Vesta and occulting uh, Tau Aquarii. Well, the next morning, July the 18th, so all the action happens now in the morning sky because the moon's back here. And the next morning, the moon is actually directly below Neptune. So uh, Neptune obviously needs a telescope or large binoculars to actually mm. spot. But at least you've got the moon to actually guide you to it sort of thing. So there we are. Now, Jupiter is to the left of Neptune. And so the motion of the moon means that on the 19th, the moon is directly below Jupiter. Now, they will be a naked eye, obvious naked eye. You can't. So you'll see a star. How many times do we at the, uh, the magazine get comments about, what was that star next to the moon the other night sort of thing? I get them when I do my radio spots sometimes for a local radio sort of thing. Mm. What was that star next to the moon? I go, that was no star. That was a planet sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. which of course means wandering star. But anyway. So uh, there we are. So we've got it's the reason they the have 19th. that name. <laughs> planet is Aster, meaning wandering planet. <laughs> exactly. Wandering star. Wandering star. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah that'll be planet, planet, wouldn't it? <laughs> wandering planet. <laughs> but uh, on the 20th, we, with the moon constantly, it doesn't stop, of course. So on the 20th, the last quarter of the moon lies in Pisces. Then on the 21st, it lies to the right of Mars. So again, we've got this Prader planet still taking place. 
And the 22nd is to the left of Mars. So sometimes they are directly underneath or close to the actual planet. Sometimes the moon is either side of the planet. It's just down to the positioning. Um, you know, perhaps next month it'll end up being sort of like either side of Jupiter and then sort of directly below Mars. It's just the quirk of the way how the moon's orbit goes and the motions of the planets as well. This is why it's all fascinating. You get different combinations. No one event is exactly the same as the other. They're all unique in the own right. But on the 22nd, when it is to the left of Mars, the Moon is also close to Uranus. So again, a guide to finding Uranus. Uranus will be slightly to the upper left, actually, of the Moon. Then finally, on the 23rd here, it's actually below Messier 45, the actual Pleiades star cluster, by several degrees, admittedly, but by mm. now, the Pleiades will be becoming easier to observe. It's higher in the sky, so uh, I, I always get excited when I see the Pleiades and the Hyades with Aldebaran back into the evening sky, because you see, I'm one of those that I can't wait for the summer solstice to be over, because I, I know the nights <laughs> are drawing in. I can't wait for the summers to be over and the nights start drawing in. I, I do like the summers, but <laughs> I'm an astronomer. I do like the dark skies. So there we are. So if the moon is below Messier 45 on the 23rd, then the next evening it'll be above Aldebaran. And I say, it's nice to see Taurus coming back into view. Now, the parade of planets, we've still got Venus. Venus will be further over, but it's next week when the moon reaches it as such. So, but Venus is still visible, but it is still trying to drift back into the solar glare. So we're lucky we can actually see it. We, we see it simply because it is so bright and that's what keeps it visible. However, we have lost Mercury now completely. So mm. we've lost that lineup of the naked eye planets in actual order, but that's just the way it goes. So I hope we got it last week when we could actually see them. Okay, we want to finish with something rather unusual. And, you know, it's nice when you, you do these simulations of the night sky and suddenly something pops out and you think, wow, I, uh, that, that, that's, that is an unusual event because it's something different. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is I suggest you take a, a peek at an asteroid that's also been designated as a comet. It's a dual identity uh... here. <laughs> a dual identity. It was originally discovered as Comet 107P Wilson-Harrington. That was back in 1949 when it was discovered. But then the comet was lost. So it's like everything else. I mean, sometimes these things happen. We, yes, we do lose some of these objects in the night sky. But it's often down to perhaps they, they've gone fainter than they expected. They can have, especially comets, can disintegrate. Oh, yeah. Comets, comets break down all the time. Oh, oh they're, they're, they're a right nightmare, aren't they, for predicting? I remember Comet Ison. We were all excited yeah. by that. Yeah, and it disintegrated sort of thing. And Comet Atlas did the same thing as well. But in this case, what happens is often sort of thing, perhaps the orbit, there wasn't enough to make the orbit as accurate as people wanted. So when they search for it next time, it probably wasn't quite in the place it should be. But then an asteroid was discovered in 1979, and that was given designation 4015 Wilson Harrington. And the reason why it was given the designation 4015 Wilson Harrington was because in actual fact they started to realise that it was actually the same object as the comet because they were in identical orbital paths and exactly in the right position for both the comet being predicted and the asteroid itself. So they finally decided in 1992 that it definitely was the same object. And so far, as far as I'm aware, it's about one of the few objects that's designated by two ways, comet 
and an asteroid. Found first as a comet, now seen as an asteroid, because it doesn't have any activity. So mm. when they found it as a comet, there was a clear-cut tail. That's why they're designated as a comet. It's over a 1,000 years orbital period, by the way, so that sort of also tends to imply it could be a cometary body. But it's now obviously outgassed all the ice, and there's only the Hulk left. You know, so I think that's amazing. So the thing, yeah, the thing about this is that it actually, though, is moving past a reasonably bright star, a naked eye star again, mm. Eta Piscium. And again, we love these events because it draws your attention to them. So you'll be able to see this unusual object, which is around about magnitude 7.4, 7.5. So, you know, well worth having a look at. And from the 19th to the 20th, it passes above Eta Piscium. On the 19th, it's pretty close to Eta Piscium. On the 20th, ironically, if you're a deep sky imager, you might want to try for this. I know it's light nights, but it's actually above Messier 74, the galaxy. Now, it's not an easy galaxy anyway, because it is face on and it's quite dim. But, you know, again, we like challenges as such. So there we are. So pick out an, an unusual object, which happens to be a reasonably brightness at the moment, 7.4. So, you know, that, that's quite good. That's, that should be visible in binoculars. You'll need a good star chart, and I'm sure the magazine will have one anyway. And uh, there we are. We can pick out an object that was originally discovered as a comet, but is now considered an asteroid as well. I always love things like this, where it kind of shows our evolving understanding of both like what objects are in themselves and also of what is a comet, what is an asteroid. You know, those are both questions that only got really answered relatively recently when you sort of look to how long we've known about, you know, there's these things, bright points of light floating about in space in comets that come and visit every so often. But actually, like, our, our studying of comets and asteroids is relatively recent. And, and so sort of seeing that kind of evolving understanding, I think, is always fascinating when you get these objects that sort of... It, it wasn't necessarily that we were wrong. It's just that's part of science. Sometimes, well, no, sometimes you do get stuff wrong. And sometimes you have to admit that and move on <laughs> as you learn new things. And the reality was when I first started, you know, it was, it was because of its the coma and the actual the material coming off it, it was clearly designated and we would have classed it as a comet. And in those days, th nobody ever thought that one could be the other. You know, they could interchange. Mm. And as, as we now realise, comets are outgassing. So at some point, they're going to run out of their ices. And when they run out yeah. of their ices, there's only going to be the Rocky Hulk left. And therefore, exactly. if they discovered now, they would look like an asteroid. And that's exactly what happened with Wilson Harrington. You know, so it was amazing. As you say, our understanding has come on in leaps and bounds. So uh, this is a good time to see an object that started off as a comet, but now uh, looks more asteroidal instead, sort of thing. Um, we've got one final object. It's a challenge, but we have to <laughs> mention it. On the 20th, Pluto is at opposition, around about 14th magnitude. Mm. It won't be too far away from Messier 75, a globular cluster in Sagittarius, but you will need a large telescope, and it is quite low down in the yeah. sky. But when these objects reach opposition, it does mean they're visible from then on all night long, although the summertime all night long isn't exactly <laughs> very long, is it? <laughs> but, you know, if you've got large scopes, from now on is the best time to actually start trying to hunt down and track out uh, Pluto. But there we are. 14th magnitude is hard, but but possible. Again, always a challenge, especially if you're looking to, if you've been doing this a while and you're looking for something a bit new to, to challenge you and, and get out there, see if you can see Pluto as it moves across the night sky. But thank you very much, uh, Paul, for taking the time today to tell us everything that's happening in the night sky this week. 
It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 